and my employees and I want to thank each and every one of you for your continued support. With everything going on right now, your rest is so important. That's why we're having the biggest my pillow sale ever. Not only are my bed pillows as low as $19.98, but you can get the best body pillows ever. Regular $89.98, now only $29.98. Take your rest on the go with our Roll and Go Anywhere My Pillows for only $14.98. And we have our new couch and accent pillows. They aren't just for looks, they have My Pillows patented adjustable fill that gives you that amazing My Pillow comfort. In this economy, you get the best gifts ever the best prices ever. So go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code and you get deep discounts on body, couch, bolster pillows, and so much more, including my original bed pillows for as low as $19.98. Please order now while quantities last. Guess who? It's me again. It's five o'clock. Do you care what the mainstream media says? What's up, fam? You out there? You listening? to you live from behind enemy lines in Chirac, Illinois. It's another day in the life of the Uncensored family. Good to see you guys out there today. Hope all is well. It is the 28th of December, and uh, we're running into the end of the new year here. And I guess uh, the story of the day is everyone feels weird between Christmas and New Year's. That's what Fox News is talking about today. So that gives you an idea of what they got going on. I have to uh, fi- fix my OAN on my TV here. It's, it's I can't find it on any of my freaking channels, man. I got to download the app. It's freaking pain in the ass. Anyway, it's good to see you guys out there today. I got uh, some interesting stuff today. Um, you know, some stuff that really hasn't been dug deeper into and some stuff that uh, you maybe haven't seen yet. Um, Bob Dylan has a new book. We're going to lead off the, the top of the show with Bob Dylan, kind of a different angle today instead of just all the news and all the stuff. The reason why I'm going to go there is because I'm going to dig deeper into Carrie Lake's appeal. I want to see what they have in the lawsuit. It's not going to take that long to get through it because it's a fairly quick appeal, but uh, I want to dig deeper into that as well. Uh, Margot Cleveland has a new article out today talking about the FBI and censoring Hunter Biden's stories and maybe being investigated. Interesting. Um, Ms. Donna has a interesting couple of threads out there today talking about Georgia. And there's also some Georgia news out there today that you guys need to see. So we'll get that covered. Uh, Elon Musk is on fire again. We'll talk a little bit about him. Uh, Lauren Bulbert's in the news. Uh, Majority Taylor Green, our girls in the news. 
Um, and then there's some random stuff as usual, breaking news, some stuff that you need to see towards the end of the show as well. Uh, but so that's the plan today. The first half of the show, uh, a discussion about Bob Dylan. It'll be kind of fun just to get away from it all and just uh, talk a little bit about that for a little bit. Um, pretty interesting article written today that I wanted to show you guys. And then, uh, uh, truth, I guess has been talking about Bob Dylan recently, uh, go, go figure. And so, uh, um, I got a, a quick thing that I haven't seen yet. Someone just dropped in my truth that I'll, that I'll play. I, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know what it is, but, uh, but I'll check that out as well. Um, so other than that, man, that's kind of what I got planned for you guys today. I hope you guys are all doing well. It's, uh, it's, uh, that hopefully time where maybe some of you have some time to get off work maybe, or, or not have to, uh, you know, have, have as many, uh, usual things as possible, a chance to chill with us today. So I appreciate you all working your way in here today. Thank you all for being here. Much love and God bless you all. Do me a favor when you get time. Check out the website. It is important that you bookmark the website, in my opinion, because I don't know if I'm going to get banned more going into next year. It's possible. I mean, there's, uh, there's, the, it seems like they're just going to double down on the censorship. So let's see what happens next year. But in, just in case, if you bookmark the website, you can always figure out where to find me. Uh, the podcast is always up on Podbean, iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify. Pick one, anyone. Just search Uncensored Dave. We're on episode 370 today of the podcast. Telegram, True Social, Twitter, Gab, and Facebook links are at the very top of the website. Where you can find us every day, 5 Eastern, 4 Central. Uh, Foxhole, DLive, Twitch, Rumble, CloudHub, and Tiger Network are where you can find those live streams. Thank you all for working your way in here today. I appreciate it. Do, do me a favor if you can. Share the stream out there with somebody. Let them know that you're hanging out. And tell them that uh, we got uh, some interesting stuff to talk about today for sure. Uh, most popular shows are always up on the website. The, the DHS censorship leak. I got uh, censorship leaks. I got a lot of feedback on that. Thank you all. It took uh, about three and a half hours to get through it all. So uh, the first half hour of the show, skip that. But, uh, but if you get time, watch the DHS censorship leaks. Uh, it gives you an idea of how censored and dehumanized all of us have been. And uh, I want my reparations. I'm, I'm serious. I, I want, uh, you know, there better be some freaking lawsuits going into next year. I know there is. We'll talk about one of those today as well. Cash App, PayPal, Patreon, and buy me a coffee links are on the website right there as well. If you want to help me keep the lights on, I appreciate you all very much. And as you saw, MyPillow. And you can get the link, the link right there to the website, mypillow.com backslash Abe. And uh, you can get yourself some awesome discounts and stuff like that as well. I appreciate you all very much. Uh, email address, link trees, PO box, all that stuff at the very, very bottom of the website. If you want to send me something, I appreciate you all. Thank you all for the Christmas cards that I got hanging up uh, right over here. Thank you guys for all for that. I appreciate it. Much love and God bless you all. The Buy Me a Coffee's recently Anon with a Merry Christmas. Uh, five coffees. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You guys are awesome. Much love. Thank you for working your way in here today. I see several of you guys already over there on Foxhole, and it's uh, great to see you guys out there. Golden Lady, thank you for the 2,500 gold pills. I appreciate that. I, I logged in today, and all my gold pills were gone. I was like, uh-oh, and then I realized that we got a payout coming. So thank God, too. Uh, my bank account is fucked right now. But I appreciate you all right now. Thank you all for being out there. RP4L, Politius, Chops in the house. I appreciate you, man. Uh, let's see, Shackled's in the house. Yeah, we got, I got your, uh, I got your uh, book, <laughs> your email that you, that you sent me yesterday. And uh, I don't know really what to say back to it, Shackled, but I appreciate your thoughts and comments. And, um, you know, I think, um, I think here's what I'll, I'll tell you, Shackled. Um, the world around us is completely manipulated and nobody knows what's going to happen into the future. Are we, we have the ability to change the future and that's what we are doing every single day by spreading the truth. And I appreciate you being back over here, hanging out with us. Much love. Um, and I appreciate you, man. 
Thanks for the feedback. I gotten several emails from you guys lately. I appreciate it, man. I get I get them and I try to reply to all of them. But uh, for yours, man, I don't really know what to say. It's uh, pretty well c- concise and gets to the point. Uh, but uh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, let's see. Uh, other than that, it looks like people are having problems with a little bit of problems with the foxhole today. Uh, if you can, I'll get the Rumble link out there to you guys if you're having problems. Um, usually if you have multiple tabs open, I've been having problems with, with pilled if I have multiple tabs open. Um, so try closing everything down and just keeping the foxhole open or putting it on a different device. Here's the rumble link for you guys out there. And I appreciate you all for being out there. Rumble crowds working their way in here today. Beachside, good to see you out there. Got your email as well. I appreciate it. Um, you know, again, uh, it's, um, the problem. Okay. Let me, let me, let me address this for a second beachside. Because you made, a, you made a great point yesterday in the email that you sent me. And the point you made was is the, the level of frustration that many people are feeling because of all of the shows that they have watched that have spread so much, quite frankly, whole porn garbage for the last five years. And part of my frustration throughout this was knowing that there was going to come a time where people watched all of these shows and they were constantly giving them, you know, the most optimistic outlook or the most uh, sensationalized uh, summary of things. And I've been very vocal about certain platforms that were that were that have been doing this over the past five years, and I've tried to to raise awareness on it. But the reason why it was so frustrating for me is because the inevitable uh, conclusion or the, the inevitable reaction that's going to happen when content creators are constantly putting garbage out there and, and, and summarizing things in ways that just don't make any freaking sense whatsoever and are not based in reality whatsoever is you, you come to a point where your level of frustration is just off the charts. And that's my frustration with, with content creators that push that garbage. And what I've noticed more recently is a lot of you have started to come back and hang out with, with uh, the uncensored family. And I'm glad you're back here. And I'm glad that you remember um, the ones that were trying to raise awareness to all of you to, to you know, to, to, to try to guide you away from, from the sensationalized hope porn that was just, it, it was amazing to watch, to be completely honest. It was very frustrating, but it was amazing to watch as, as, as people just kept going back for more and more and more, even though if a prediction didn't turn out or if a decode didn't turn out, um, that it was it was so frustrating to watch as as people just kept going back to the same sources of information and expecting a different result but in the end those of us who have tried to be um in some cases brutally honest with you uh those of us who have tried to uh dial back the um the tribalism that happens inevitably in platforms where the information that they present you doesn't have good sauce and when the information is based on speculative or garbage sauce, the vast majority of people um, uh, will, will aggressively defend their position, right? And they'll get their followers to aggressively defend anybody who questions them and to include, um, you know, discrediting tactics against anybody who dares question information that is quite obviously not sauced in garbage, and 
what I have tried to do as part of my platform is enable people to have better discernment, enable people to think differently and different perspectives about things. And I have failed at that just as much as everybody else has. Of course we have. I'm not saying that I'm a next level uh, discerner over other people, but what I am saying is that there are a lot of people who are purposely misleading people and I can't stand it and it drives me nuts. And the best part about it though, is a lot of you have figured what figured it out pretty quick and have decided to run away from them and find platforms that, um, that try to give you, uh, an optimistic outlook. Because if you, if you look at my website and you go through the 2021 archive blog, you can see that there is a lot of things happening in our world that don't make sense if you, if you, if you aren't seeing them in certain perspectives. So that's something you can do too, is check out the 2021 archive blog. And you'll see that there is a lot of things happening in our world that nobody's really talking about. I mean, there are some people, but you know, I don't have a very big reach. The reach I have gets amplified by others and uh, re-monetized and used by others, which is fine. But, but, um, as long as the information gets sent. Right. Um, but I, but I feel your frustration and I don't know what else to say other than things are never as bad as they seem. Number one, um, things are never as bad as they seem. If, if you fall into a, a hopeless, uh, area, like I have been over the past couple months with all the crap going on in my life, um, it can affect, um, you know, your perceptions of things and stuff. And that has played it through, played it through, uh, through my platform. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it just is what it is. That's, that's the, the tri trials and tribulations of kind of doing a reality show live show. Um, just trying to be as real with you as possible. And, um, so nonetheless, Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Beachside, for your feedback. And um, the, I mean, the best I can tell you, man, is is uh, things are not as bad as they seem. And I'm glad that you're that you decided to turn away from other platforms that are um, that you're starting to see are just not really gi giving you things that are going to help, right? I mean, if if um, I, I saw this Derek Johnson dude again running his mouth again today or last couple days talking about uh, the military and, and all these executive orders and this and that. And what good does that do? The, the military is in control. So what sit on your ass and hope for the wait for, wait for the world to change. Right. That, that's the result of, of things like that. When you give people stuff like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Grand juries are already impaneled. Gitmo's already filling up. Prisons are filling up. Uh, Joe Biden's actually dead. Like all this stuff, man. It doesn't do anything to help the fight. And that's where I have been trying to stay focused. That's where Q tried to refocus to, is to remind us what the battle is about. Um, if you look at election, how many are there? How many? Let's, let's look. If I just search election in Q posts, just the word election. I get 164 posts. <laughs> I get 164 posts out of the, you know, three, you know, three or 4,000, whatever there are, um, you know, almost 5,000, I guess. But there's a lot of emphasis on the elections. And of course, then there's a lot of emphasis on the media as well. Right. Um, but so those are the things that, um, 
that I try to stay focused on and to show you uh, election integrity efforts all around America that are making changes to our elections for future generations that are happening right now. There's states all around us that are doing amazing things at fixing the problems with our elections. Uh, Wisconsin has made a ton, a ton of changes. Uh, not enough, but a ton. Arizona's made a ton. Pennsylvania's made a bunch. Georgia's made a bunch. Ohio, Florida, a bunch of places have made a bunch of changes to shore up the elections. Now, it's not going to be perfect still. There's still going to be issues, but it is not the same scenario that it was in 2016, that it was in 2020, that it was in 22, going into 2024. It is not the same scenario. Laws are different and everything, and there's a lot of things that are different. And we're going to talk about the Cary Lake uh, case today as well, uh, because if you've watched, <laughs> you know that there that we anticipated this going to an appeals court and likely to the uh, to the local Supreme Court, and if not up higher, I, I don't think it will have to go higher. We'll see. Um, we'll see if if they if the uh, Supreme Court does its job and the appeals court does their job. Uh, they will at least seek more evidence. Um, so there's there's a lot more happening in there. There's stuff happening in Georgia today. We're going to cover that as well. But first, uh, the sobering news from yesterday, two days ago, is uh, is um, my sister's family, my brother-in-law's family, uh, lost a, uh, a great-grandson and um, uh, way too young, 17 years old, um, died with, uh, with cancer that just uh, seized his body. And, um, and to be honest, there is, um, there is, it, it appears to a lot of us that the doctors didn't help him at all. Uh, it appears to us that the doctors, if anything, um, made it worse. And so, you know, a lot of you going through these kind of things with, uh, with the COVID and the shots and the things like that, losing family members and people that are ha having disabilities now with all of this stuff, it is very, uh, heavy weight on everybody. And there's a very heavy weight on uh, the uh, McAlpine family. If you can, please, uh, if you can drop them five bucks, if you can drop them 10 bucks, something like that. If you can help with uh, the funeral expenses, at the very bottom right here, there's a donate now. Um, there's, a, there's a place where you can just leave comments and uh, let them know that uh, you're in the prayer circles and prayers are up for the family. Um, if you could just give them some feedback, at the very least, I appreciate you all. Um, it is going to be a uh, tough weekend going into it. And you guys know with all the stuff happening with our family, with our father dying last year and the struggles and the problems with all of that, um, it has been a rough year for, for uh, not just uh, our family, but uh, I think all of us out there. So if you get a chance, if you get a chance, um, at least I'll send them a prayer or if you can help in any kind of small way, we would appreciate it very much. Thank you guys all for everything you guys do in this holiday season. Another difficult uh, day for a lot of us, but thank you all for the thoughts, loves and prayers. We appreciate you all. Um, uh, another day, another day and another tragedy in the world that we live in, man. Uh, it's starting to feel like this, uh, this, this earth is needing some serious help. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're here for. All right, let me shift gears here. Just give me a second. Um, let me give me let me uh, clear my throat here, and uh, let's talk a little bit about Bob Dylan. Let's uh, let's kind of get away from all this heavy dig stuff and and this other stuff. There'll be plenty of time for that in the in the second hour. I want to spend some quality time here talking about Bob Dylan because number one, it, it, musically, he's somebody that I really respected. I never really got into his music deeply, 
but musically, again, this you know, it's like a lot of people out there. The the Beatles, I don't really listen to the Beatles, but I respect them musically. Uh, Bob Dylan was always on another level, though. And so there is a American Spectator wrote an article today, Daniel, Daniel J. Flynn, who's a great writer. I've, I've read probably the vast majority of his stories from American Spectator are the ones that I ended up finding. Uh, he's He's got interesting topics and uh, interesting things that he writes about. So let me clear my throat here for a second. Let me give you some music, and then we'll uh, we'll get this going here. All right. <clears throat> Trying to clear my throat. It's, uh, there you go. Okay. Bob Dylan wrote a book worth reading. The Philosophy of Modern Song shows that he didn't win a Nobel Prize in literature for nothing. Interesting, right? I didn't, I haven't heard of um, the book that he has, but I, I'm thinking about adding it to my uh, book collection. That's kind of interested on this topic in general. As you guys know, I love music and uh, been a, um, uh, somebody who's just, uh, I don't know, just like a lot of people out there, just love music. So let's see what this is. Bob Dylan's The Philosophy of the Modern Song lured many reviewers into uh, divining it as a, sh a sort of psychological autobiography. Dylan's analysis offered in the opening chapter of Baby Bear's Detroit City regarding the song's protagonist, he's able to manufacture a completely fictitious life just by penning some letters back home, recalls an early Bob Dylan as recounted by an associate in No Direction Home, claiming the identity of Bobby V to friends back home in Minnesota. The, mu the musical chameleon, who sounded like a different musician on Like a Rolling Stone and a new vocalist on Lay, 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 saying of Bob Darren in the Beyond the Sea chapter that the guy was everybody, if anybody. Surely writes about another Bobby too, no? Robert Zimmerman beginning... A chapter on Donnie Lytle's or Johnny Payback's old violin by explaining there's a lot of reasons folks change their names similarly fuels this fire. Interesting. So you got if you got to kind of be a, a Bob Dylan watcher to get all those quotes. Anyway, the man lends himself to interpretation by singing more than talking. His singing as it relies on metaphor and less direct ways of verbal communication also sparks all sorts of third party explanations of meaning more than five decades ago, student radicals in part because D uh, Dylan's oblique approach to lyrics and in part because of their zeal to protect their case upon his celebrity pondered the secret meaning of subterranean homesick blues and new morning. More recently, such all grown up children of that earlier age apply cryptography to his life playing these parlor games here too intensely or maybe at all necessarily prevents the reader from approaching, appreciating the philosophy of modern songs, many virtues. These include most obviously inducing the reader to songs unheard on the radio in the last 50 years and songs unheard on the radio. Uh, okay. Uh, Webb Pierce's There Stands the Glass and the Alcoholic's ultimate theme song falls under the former category Jimmy Wages' Take Me From This Garden of Evil and ahead of its time blistering rocker, think 50s speed metal, that Sun Ruckers ne neglected to release falls under the latter. YouTube turns the book into a multimedia experience. There Stands the Glass from Bob Dylan.
stands the glass That will ease all my pain That will settle my brain It's my first one to take There stands the glass That will hide all my tears Okay, we get it. And um, then we have this, Jimmy Wages, Take Me From This Garden of Evil. What a friendly face in a friendly place is what I like to see. Yeah, a friendly face in a friendly place is what I like to see. Well, if I don't hurry to get away from here, this little girl's gonna set my pace. Well, now take me from this garden of evil, deliver me over yonder. Yeah, take me from this garden of evil, deliver me over yonder. Well, I don't have long to hang. Interesting. Obviously not Bob Dylan, but uh, you see the the point that they're making. Each song selected shares almost uniformly a common denominator, not only with other songs included, but with the author's musical overture. Thanks, who cares? Appreciate it. Um, okay, I'm trying to get through this. Uh, which de-emphasizes musical musicality for lyrics, too. Uh, these songs generally stir thoughts more than they do emotions. The icon of cool shows how little he cares about coolness, which itself seems very cool, until one wonders if one arrives at such coolness through calculation or casualness. <laughs> Uh, anyways, by choosing several artists populating the soundtrack of Squares, Johnny Ray, Marty Robbins, Dean Martin, Perry Como, and Rosemary Clooney, necessarily forcing a reassessment by the cool kids, so uh, other directed conscious about their coolness. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? Cool, man. All right. In fixating on the man rather than his words, readers risk missing the wisdom of those words, which in this book at times seem befitting of a noble laureate in literature. He often writes in a aphoristic style characteristic of Michael de Montaigne or Francois de la Raffenshaw in jarring the brain into thoughts with just a few words on paper. Let's see if I'm going to have to look up any of these words from Bob Dylan. Nothing is scarier than someone earnest in a delusion. <laughs> Boy, is that descriptive of today. Judy Garland, come rain or shine. Uh, how many of them divorced lawyers are at least tangentially responsible for teen suicides and serial killers? <laughs> nice, nice, nice. One mark of civilization is the ability to increase the distance between yourself and the person you kill. The blade gave away the gun, which gave away the bomb, which... Uh, gave way to any number of long-range killing machines. Edwin Starr in War. Interesting. Country music finds itself in the church uh, on Sunday morning because it spent Saturday night in the back alley knife fight and trying to convince the barmaid to hike up her skirt around her hips. <laughs> Johnny and Jack and Poison Love. 
Oh, that's hilarious. The mere exposure of the reader to unfamiliar and forgotten sounds independently of the entertaining commentary and dispensing of obscure knowledge makes the book a worthy read. Dylan himself remarks negatively on the walls closing in phenomenon, which not only influences the music we hear, but the algorithm nudged online buying choices we make and political discussions we watch as well. To see the Beatles perform the Ed Sullivan show, he notes, one might need to watch flamical dancers and much else first before the host introduced the featured musical guest, the culture broadened instead of narrowed taste quote. Turns out the best way to shut people up. Isn't to take away their forum. It's to give them all of their own separate pulpits. Dylan writes, ultimately most folks will listen to what they already know and read what they already agree with. They will devour pale retreads of the original and perhaps Never get to discover they might have a taste for Shakespeare or flamenco dancing. It's the equivalent of letting an eight-year-old pick their own diet. Interesting. The philosophy of the modern song reads as a rebellion against this. Interesting. Daniel J. Flynn on just an interesting topic that caught my eye today. Um... Great writers in uh, musical history are uh, something special, if you ask me. Bob Dylan uh, talks Selling His Soul performs the first rap ever on a 60 Minutes interview with Ed Bradley. Uh, listener on Truth dropped this into my uh, into the chat when I was mentioning that I was going to talk about this today. I figured I'd check it out. Let's add it to the show. huh? Let's see what, let's see what it has. Why do you still do it? Why are you still out here? Uh, let me boost the audio a little bit so you can hear that better. Uh, let's see here. He said, why do you do it? Why do you still uh, do it? Well, it goes back to the destiny thing. I made a bargain with it, you know, a long time ago, and I'm holding up my hand. What was your bargain? To get where um, I am now. Should I ask who you made the bargain with? <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and this earth and in, uh, and then in the world we can't see. You ever look at music that you've written and look mm -hmm. back at it and say, whoa, that mm -hmm. surprised me? I used to. Uh, I, I, I don't do that anymore. Uh, I don't know how I got to, to write those songs. What do you mean you don't know how? Well, those early songs were like almost magically written. Um, uh, darkness at the break of noon, shadows even the silver spoon, a handmade blade, a child's balloon. Eclipses both the sun and moon to understand you knew too soon there's no sense in trying. This Dylan classic, It's All Right, Ma, was written in 1964. Well, try to sit down and write something like that. Uh, th there's a magic to that, and it's not uh, Siegfried and Roy kind of magic. You know, it's a it's a different kind of a penetrating magic. And uh, you know, I did it. I, I I did it at one time. You don't think you can do it today? Mm -mm. Does that disappoint you? Well, you can't do something forever, and uh, I did it once, and I can do other things now, but I, I, I can't do that. Interesting. 
Bob Dylan's reflections on um, his his own writings and things like that. It's it's um, he was always very a very interesting person. You know, the artists that make you think, so to speak. You know, um, that's why I love Maynard James Keenan so much because you know his writings also. Uh, will make you think deeper about a lot of different topics. Um, but it's interesting that he says he sell, sold his soul to get where he is to the man, to the, to, to the, to the top in this world and the one we can't see. Hmm. Interesting. Is it not? The, um, beach side. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the rumble rant over there on rumble. Cause uh, cause you the best, not you the man, not you the man. Thank you for that. I appreciate it, man. Um, where was I going? Um, you, have you guys uh, heard about Sufism? It's a, it's a, uh, mystical, um, version of, uh, Islam. It's practiced in, um, Iran and other places around the world. Um, you know, you have that, you have, uh, um, you know, wiki, wikiism or whatever, um, that, that kind of thing that uses the same kind of mysticism and things. Um, you know, the, the, the child sacrifice and the child ritual abuse that we've, that we've uncovered that nobody seems to want to talk about except for Liz Corkin. Um, you know, that side of it too. And it just makes you wonder, you know, like these sacrifices to Moloch and, and things like that, if, if um, you know, if they do get some kind of benefit from it or something, um, that, that quest for eternal life that um, that's at the core of Satanism, um, you know, that uh, it makes you wonder. When you look at the things out there, like, the, like uh, Sufism and the mysticism in... Uh, religion, you know, and how much all of that stuff is hidden from, from those of us that, uh, that try to look into religion or study religion, you know, um, it's interesting to hear Bob Dylan say, uh, to say that, um, I kind of want to hear him say that again. Let me, hold on. Let me pause this. So you don't, you don't have to hear it. Let me see if I can find that spot again. Ah, foxhole. <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and on this earth and, in, uh, and then in the world we can't see. You're huh. That's an interesting little clip there. Very interesting little clip. Hmm. Who sent that to me? Uh, let's see. Oh. <clears throat> I got into a thread with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. There it is. Oh, Mick Mick Schwartz. Thank you, Mick Schwartz. I'll retruth that right now. Thank you. Interesting, <laughs> to say the least, right? <clears throat> All right. Uh, there you go. 
Bob Dylan's new book. I'm going to check that out. <clears throat> uh, why Southwest operations went south. Let me save that for the second half. Lauren Bulbert, the great, the one, the only Lauren Bulbert. Madam Speaker, the American people have spoken. They have fired you and have chosen to end the Democrats' one-party rule throughout our government. The days of this chamber being treated as Pelosi's house instead of the people's house are over. The American people will once again be allowed into this chamber to see their representatives at work. Republicans made a lot of promises on the campaign trail. It's time we make good on those promises. We must defund the 87,000 IRS agents that the Democrats hired, increase domestic energy production, get to the bottom of Hunter Biden's corruption, and of course the big guy who's at least compromised by 10%, reinstate the service men and women who were shamefully discharged because they refused to take the COVID vaccine, reduce government spending and curb inflation, secure the southern border at which there is a complete invasion, and reduce the flow of China's fentanyl into our communities. Republicans across America ran on these policies. God help us if we fail to deliver on them. And with that, I yield. I agree, Madam Lauren, wholeheartedly. There's going to be a major change in D.C. If you guys In this video, you're going to learn everything jobs. that you need to. That is for sure. No doubt about it. <laughs> they will do their jobs or else you're fired. <clears throat> We're going to be on them like flies on shit, making sure that they do their freaking jobs. Uh, Bankman free to enter a plea deal in the Ponzi scheme case. Yeah. Figures. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's awesome. She is absolutely awesome. All right, mostly lurking and listening today. Thanks for being out there today, guys. Let me keep it moving then. Sounds good. MTG in the news today. QAnon. Uh, QAnon people are in the news again. <sighs> Jeez. This is, this is really scary. This is really upsetting. I'm very, I'm, I'm very, very, very upset. Majority of the Greens spoke to Trump about QAnon supporters before January 6th. Can you believe this? She even said, these are my people. Man, can you? No, it can't be. Very, very, I'm very upset. Uh, MTG, MTG had told Donald Trump days before the Capitol insurrection that some of her supporters who subscribed to Q were going to the January 6th rally, revealed testimony by the former White House uh, aide Cassidy Hutchinson. The remarks by Ms. Hutchinson were from her May and June interviews given to the January 6th Congressional Committee that investigated the Capitol protest the committee released additional sets of transcripts and revealed mr trump's discussions involving a far-right conspiracy theory group 
Miss Hutchinson recalled Miss Green showing Mr. Trump a photo of her constituents during a December 2020 meeting. Can you believe this? Oh, there's no picture. Thanks for the link, though. Or is there? Is there a, is there a thread here? What's in the link? Come on, you can go ahead and lo- open now. There you go. What the fuck? Uh, it just went to do two different links. That's hilarious. All right. Anyway, those are all my people. <laughs> Good to see you, KN. I remember MTG bringing QAnon up, QAnon up several times, though, in the presence of the president, privately with Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff, she testified. I remember Mark having a few conversations, too, about more specific QAnon stuff. More about the idea that they had with the election and, you know, not much pertaining to the planning of January 6th rally. Uh, Yeah, because there's nothing in there about the January 6th rally. She also said Miss Green brought up QAnon while Mr. Trump was in Georgia for a rally on 4 January 2021. Miss Green came up and began talking to us about QAnon and QAnon and QAnon and QAnon. Uh, And that they're going to be going to the rally. And she's had a lot of constituents that are QAnon. And they'll all be there, Ms. Hutchinson said, about a conversation between her, Mr. Meadows, and Ms. Green. (laughs) Uh, It's freaking hilarious. And she was showing him pictures of them traveling up to Washington, D.C. for the rally on January 6th. She said she does not know the details of the conversation, but they had begun talking a little bit more about QAnon. <laughs> there is no such thing as QAnon, you freaking morons. Miss Green later had a similar conversation with Mr. Trump and showed him a photo of her constituents at the rally. One of them was wearing a shirt with a Q symbol. These are my people, Miss Hutchinson recalled. <gasps> she was horrified. She also told the panel that Mr. Trump's aide, Peter Navarro, would show materials to be run by Mr. Meadows. She said at one point, she sarcastically asked Mr. Navarro, oh, this is from your QAnon friends, Peter, because Peter would talk to me frequently about his QAnon friends. He said, have you looked into it, Cass? I think they point out a lot of good ideas. You really need to read this stuff. Make sure the chief sees it, she said. She added, There's no way that President Trump actually knew about Q. Representative Liz Cheney asked about Ms. Hutchinson if Mr. Navarro was being sarcastic in his conversation about his QAnon friends. I didn't take it as sarcasm because I don't I don't have a sense of humor really. So I don't I can't sense sarcasm. And I don't really I don't really I I don't laugh much and I don't I have no, really no sense of humor. So I don't I can't tell you if it was sarcasm or not. Throughout my tenure working for the chief of staff, he would frequently bring in memos and PowerPoints on various policy proposals that he would then expand on, you know. Q is saying this. Ah, well, well, well. Telling me that the Anons had a, had a back channel to the president? Is that what you're telling me here? Huh. 
No way. <laughs> the testimony comes conducting an 18-month long investigation into the violence published in a 845-page report last week that should be thrown in the trash. Um, the panel, which has released more than 100 transcripts, will release more this week and concerns that Republicans might cherry-pick information from them if they do not publish all of the transcripts. <laughs> uh... Have you looked into it, Cass? I think they have a lot of good stuff, good ideas. <laughs> he would frequently bring in memos and PowerPoints on various policy proposals that he would expand on it and say, you know, Q is saying this. Make sure the boss sees it. Make sure the chief sees it, she added. <laughs> There's no way that Anans had a back channel with with Q and with, with the president. No, no, no. That's what they're telling you here. <laughs> that is literally what they're telling you here. You can read the story however you want, but what they're telling you is exactly what I've been trying to tell you for a long time. <sighs> it does feel like D-class is happening, doesn't it? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Sure does. Average Joe. Thank you, thank you. Focus, focus. Much love. Appreciate the cam, my friend. My brother. Who cares? 128. Thanks for the condolences and prayers. Abolitionist. Dropping a cookie and another cookie. Cheryl Grow every day is winding road. I've never been there, but the brochure looks nice. To your Bob Dylan. Yeah, good good, good point. Uh, Spartacus rewrite. I'm QAnon. No, I'm QAnon. No, I'm QAnon. We are QAnon. There is no QAnon. There is Anons and there is Q. And there is Q+. Plus. <laughs> All right. Carrie Lake's appeal. I can't believe it took me this long to get here. What the hell? Let me check in with you guys out there. See how y'all are doing. Alita's in the house. Great to see you, Alita. Hope all is well. Beach sides out there. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you big time. MTG has more integrity in her uh, in her turds than they have in all their sad minds together. Uh, Shackle Freedom, that was a pretty good uh, reading yesterday. It took me a while to read it, but I appreciate the email, and um, I'll try to keep in touch with you, man. Um, there's a lot of people that have been smearing MPG lately, you know. Um, she, you would think we'd be able to see through that stuff by now, but No. Carrie Lake appeals her loss in election lawsuit. Judge orders to pay a rival um, 33000 in fees. Yeah, right. Carrie Lake's appealing the election challenge loss, asking the state court of appeals late Tuesday to reconsider all 10 counts she originally cited in her lawsuit, as well as a decision ordering her to pay $33,000 in legal fees. Freaking joke. Tells you a lot about the freaking judge, doesn't it? That's better than I can actually read it. Um, her filing comes hours after Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Peter Thompson closed her case, which played out over a two-day trial and then holiday weekend of court filings between plaintiff's attorneys, so forth, so on. Um, <clears throat> 17,117 votes. 
can't make this shit up. I'm not going to read the rest of this because we're going to dig into it a little bit. We're going to dig into it a little bit. Here is the case. Here is the case. All right. Uh, the vast majority of it is a refiling of the original case, so I'm not going to go through all that. We pretty much covered it all. Um, in the beginning, we showed how, how why it's such a good case, including causing harm. But um, in the appeal, mostly is, is legal mumbo-jumbo. But I do want to just summarize it for you <clears throat> so you can see what exactly was filed. Um, this special action is captioned as Carrie Lake, contestant plaintiff versus Katie Hobbs, personally as contestee in her official capacity as Secretary of State, Stephen Richter in his official capacity as Maricopa County Recorder, Bill Gates, Clint Hickman, and Jack Sellers, Thomas Galvin, and Steve Gallardo in their capacities as a member of Maricopa Board of Supervisors, Scott Jarrett in his official capacity as Maricopa County Director of Elections, and so forth, supervisors. Carrie Lake is uh, <clears throat> plaintiff. Carrie Lake takes this appeal. Plaintiff appeals to the final judgment on the December 27th, denying all plaintiff's requests, uh, requested relief, and dismissing the case. Incorporated into the judgment from which plaintiff appeals are the court's under advisement ruling dated uh, December 19th, which is the original filing, granting defendant's motion to dismiss in part the court's under advisement ruling dated so forth. So it's just telling you that um, <clears throat> it shows which counts the original case was dismissed by this garbage judge so that um, the appeals court and potentially uh, Arizona's Supreme Court can review all of them, not just the few. Uh, plaintiff appeals to Division One of, of Arizona's Court of Appeals. Plaintiff will also seek direct review by the Arizona Supreme Court, either by petition for emergency transfer or by special action filed last night. Uh, original filing, all the attorneys, so forth, so on. Um, and it's filed against Elias Law Group, as you guys know, because Elias's punk bitch ass is uh, trying to destroy America, along with Hillary Clinton and the rest. Exhibit A is this. <clears throat> it is the um, Superior Court of Arizona petition, Carrie Lake versus uh, Katie Hobbs. Pending before this court, Maricopa County defendants uh, motion for sanctions and application for attorney's fees. So this is a, um, the filing for, uh, you know, making her pay the, uh, the $33,000 in, in uh, lawyer's fees and a request to have that uh, uh, removed as well from the, uh, the, the filing. Um, all right, let me go to, let's see. Which section here is the one I wanted to read? It is this section. Okay. The court agrees with defendant's statements that election contests are purely statutory and provide for a limited form of relief. These are the sections that, that cite Arizona law that prove that she has, uh, you know, legal grounds for each part of the things. Further, that an election contest presumes the good faith of election officials as a matter of law, files uh, a, a precedent on that, as well as all reasonable assumptions in favor of validity of the election. Another filing there. And then, so again, just establishing the legal precedent um, um, of what evidence has to be established and so forth and so on. It is also true that the defendants uh, asked each and every witness at trial if they, if, if they had either intentionally committed misconduct or knew anyone who had perpetrated intentional misconduct aimed to influence the outcome of the election. 
No witness answered in the affirmative. Nevertheless, it is also true that defendants alleged in their pleadings, attachments, and exhibits and argued at the hearing that the evidence and testimony of the conduct of the election itself together with statistical analysis would meet the requirements of ARS 16672, which is the uh, convincing evidence of, um, of election malfeasance at the very least. I guess malfeasance isn't the quite, quite the right word. It's more uh, a good faith election, proving that there is uh, at least enough evidence that it is not in good faith. However, the analysis of whether plaintiff's claims were groundless or made in bad faith is not limited to subjective reviews. Views. Although eight of the plaintiff's claims were dismissed as a matter of law, two claims did survive the, the proceeded and proceeded to trial. Thank you, PDX Patriot. All good. Good to see you out there. Granting a hearing on those claims was a question of law applied to the facts and not a benevolent act. As a result of the hearing required under the law, plaintiffs alleged that uh, survived dismissal were subject to factual and legal scrutiny and ultimately found by this court as failing to meet clear and convincing evidence under Arizona's revised statute 16672. Arizona's revised statute, huh? Interesting. Uh, at the hearing, the plaintiff was not successful in eliciting any defendant admissions of intentional malfeasance aimed at altering the election outcome. However, she did produce testimony of an expert, which ultimately was not accepted by the court, but who did argue that, it, that intentional malfeasance was the root cause of the tabulator malfunctions on election day. Plaintiff also presented statistical analysis based on 220 affidavits of voters who did vote but reported frustrations with tabular, tabulator malfunctions and lines on election day. Plaintiff also presented expert evidence that attempted to establish a relationship between exit poll results on election day and projected Republican voters who did not actually vote. That statistical analysis of polling results also argued a connection between a range of anticipated Republican votes, which never materialized. Yeah, I thought Barris's testimony was not very helpful. The case law regarding election challenges dates back to territorial days when ballots were counted by hand. There's no cases which rule in or out statistical analysis as a method of proving elements of election challenge, but the law makes clear that the plaintiff is required to show a specific number of votes affected. The court was not persuaded in that. There's no doubt that each side believes firmly in his position with great conviction. The fact uh, that the plaintiff failed to meet the burden of clear and convincing evidence required for each element of 16... 672 does not equate to finding her claims were and were not groundless and presented in bad faith. Any legal decision must be based on the law, so forth, so on. The court finds the plaintiff claims presented in this litigation were not groundless and brought in bad faith under the revised statutes 12349A1. Therefore, it is ordered denying defendants' motions for attorney fees, and that is the argument against the uh, attorney fees that they are putting out there. The court finds that submitted expert witness uh, fees inappropriate under so forth and so on. Katie Hobbs sued in her capacity as governor-elect has also submitted a signed declaration of attorney Abakana, Abha Khanna in support of an award of so forth, so on. And, and so this is attempting to remove um, Carrie Lake from being held accountable for lawyer fees because of a garbage filing. Um, this is the, um, the 2019 original filing that the judge rejected. Um, it shows e each one of the accounts and, uh, the, basically it shows the, the, you know, again, the, the legal definitions and so forth and all that stuff. 
Um, and then it shows why the judge rejected each one of the other count, the other 10 counts. So this is put into the appeals court so that they can reconsider all these as well. You know, we're not, I'm not going to go through all of these, but, um, you know, uh, it, it shows how the judge dismissed all of these accounts. As you can see right here, count one must be dismissed because of that count two, so forth, so on. Um, so that's what the rest of the filing is really. Um, just, you know, a, a quick overall summary of what it is. And if we hear more, um, I'll let you guys know as soon, as soon as I do hear more. All right. Top of the hour already. Thanks for being here today, guys. Appreciate you all. PDX Patriot Abolitionist. Who cares? Average Joe and Golden Lady. Thanks for the gold pills today. I appreciate you all very much out there. Keep Trues in the house. Good to see you out there. Can knock my socks off. Who else is out there hanging out today and chatting? Most of you lurking and listening. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you all for being here. All the Rumble crowds mostly looking and listening as well. Twitch crowd, how are you guys doing out there? Strikers in the house, welcome to <laughs> the party, pal. I appreciate you being out there as well. Pattern Seer, new follow over there on Twitch, as well as a sippy cup. Thank you very much. Channel Vision with the 50 bits yesterday for Merry Christmas. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. And uh, let's see, looks like DLive Crowd and uh, Facebook and CloudHub all just kind of lurking and listening too. Thanks for being everyone, everyone out there today. Much love. Any disbarment proceedings? Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. All right, uh, I'll check in on breaking news here real quick. At the top of the hour, uh, top White House COVID advisor finally reveals the truth. There's no study in the world that shows mass work. Uh, really? Shocked face. Uh, President Trump with some new um, truths. I'll go check in on those here in just a moment. Uh, let's see here. General Flynn, what's this? Hospital wards filled with dead bodies. Chinese citizens seek refuge in American cities. Huh. See, this is starting to come out now. The, remember when I was telling you guys we're seeing rumblings that things are getting pretty bad in China? And the amount of deaths that are happening is off the freaking charts. Hmm. This is from General Flynn just now. Have a look at this report now. It says people in China are rushing to book travel as the country's borders finally, finally reopen. It says travel offices are reporting a spike in traffic. Passport applications are at an all-time high. The question is, are these people just looking to travel or are they looking to escape the country, to run away from the grasp of the Chinese state? And I ask these questions because an exodus is underway in China, and we have been reporting on it for days now. Now, another report has emerged. It says Chinese citizens are trying to enter the U.S. through the rainforests of Central America. The report says Chinese citizens are using messaging platforms like WeChat to get details on how to reach the U.S.-Mexico border. They are getting in touch with Chinese dissidents who have escaped the country in the past. To get out of the country, they are boarding planes to countries like Ecuador and with the help of human traffickers, they are entering the United States of America. Some authorities have confirmed this, like the government of Panama. It says over 1,300 Chinese nationals crossed its Darien province and entered the U.S. in 2022. These people paid an average of $5,000 to $10,000 for transport. Smugglers 
food along with uh, bribes to gangsters and corrupt policemen. The BBC has carried a detailed report on this. It says, in the days ahead, this exodus will only strengthen given how travel has re resumed and airports have reopened. Look at this report. China has issued a number of new passports and visas for next year. And this means millions of Chinese people are expected to go abroad starting January 2023. And there is no saying how many of them plan on returning. Now that's one concern. Another concern is this. The risk of the Chinese citizens taking the virus. Huh. Interesting. Um, dead bodies piling up. You don't see any reports uh, about that anywhere. Uh, General Flynn getting that message out there just about a few minutes ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, let's see here. What else? Breaking 911. Uh, Long Island prosecutors lost investigation into Representative-elect George Santos that the Republican lied about his heritage, education, and professional pedigree. Okay. Interesting. And it looks like McCarthy's involved in that Santos thing too. Huh. So that's kind of breaking out there. Some bad news for McCarthy today. What do you got here, Patrick? What do you got, Patrick? Old friend Patrick's got another article today. PAC associated with Kevin McCarthy propped up the campaign of liar George Santos. Under fire for lying about his past, including allegedly making up a college degree for himself from Baruch College, a work history for himself at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, and also pretending to be Jewish. <laughs> what the fuck? Where do you find these people? That's the best we can find for the Republican Party, huh? Nice work, McCarthy. Dumbass. Uh, I hope McCarthy doesn't uh, doesn't get it. We need a patriot, not a McCarthy. Uh, what do you got, Babylon B? All right, let's have a little fun before we get to the second half here. Babylon B's predictions for twenty twenty three. Thank you, Paulie. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's that time of year again when the mystic oracles at the Babylon Bee tell you what will happen in the year, the next year with 100% accuracy. Will 2023 better than this year? You decide. January 1st, millions set out to read the entire Bible. January 4th, dozens still reading their entire Bible. January 6th, AOC dies again of PTSD after recounting her death on January 6th. <laughs> February 13th, Kamala Harris reports that Biden had an unfortunate accident coming, down, accident coming down the stairs. February 16th, Kamala caught laughing while at Biden's funeral. Ooh, interesting prediction, Babylon B. February 14th, Kamala Harris sworn in. February 15th, weed criminalized heavily in all 50 states. <laughs> uh, that's a reference to, to Kamala Harris's uh, prosecuting 
um, prosecutions in California, if you haven't looked into that. March 3rd, Whoopi Goldberg says something racist. March 13th, AOC says something stupid. You can put that on there for every day. March 23rd, John Fetterman finally finishes taking his oath of office. (laughs) May 12th, no one shows up to work across America. Also, all Nintendo Switches are sold out for some reason. May 25th, public schools announced they will not allow Tuttle Twins books back in school libraries. May 26th, Tuttle Twins books pulled from libraries after students start questioning teachers' biases. (laughs) April 4th, the war in Ukraine ends. April 5th, the war in Taiwan begins. (laughs) April 12th, SBF says that another $50 million of people's money has gone missing. May 1st, Obama releases a new memoir. May 19th, Webster changes the definition of gender. May 12th, Bob Iger bends the knee and swears fealty to Ron DeSantis. June 4th, Kanye says he's not crazy anymore. June 5th, Kanye joins the KKK. (laughs) July 4th, Zelensky named President of the United States. August 8th, Dr. Fauci comes out of retirement after a new COVID strain leaks from a lab. Oh, don't even start going into next year. August 12th, Alex Jones sued sued for another $400 trillion September 15th, Obama releases a new memoir. (laughs) September 20th, Elon's releases part 3,285 of the Twitter files. October 27th, Elon Musk buys The View, promptly cancels the show forever. We can only dream. October 29th, Post Office releases January 6th commemorative stamp. November 9th, Pizzagate conspiracy confirmed true. November 23rd, Brian Stelter retires to Idaho to be with his kind. (laughs) November 25th, Elon Musk announces gas-powered Tesla to save all from the coming ice age. December 5th, Disney announces Phase 5 of Marvel Universe will be Brie Larson giving a series of two-hour TED Talks on misogyny. December 10th, a late-night host says something funny. Hey, we can dream, right? And December 31st, the last remaining person still reading through their Bible finally finishes it. Babylon B. With predictions for 2023, probably right about right. It would not surprise me of a state funeral next year. United States to require negative COVID tests uh, after extremely irresponsible China reopens their borders. Yeah, thanks, China. Let's go ahead and send all these variants all around the world. Now you can just have your your virus spread everywhere. Nice plan, China. Next year should be fun. The border is not open. Republicans praise Supreme Court for keeping Title 42, and I will give it a very serious consideration. Adam Schiff eyes Feinstein's Senate seat. Good luck, shithead. And that's it for breaking news. All right, let's get to the second half of stuff that I had lined up for you guys today. And we'll keep it moving here today. We got, uh, what do I have up next? Oh, Margo Cleveland's article uh, to, to start it off with. Um, and then I have that Georgia news. There's uh, Georgia election news that you guys need to see. A couple of threads from Ms. Donna and an article about the uh, uh, Georgia election news. That, that's uh, lined up for the, for the second half. And then... 
a bunch of other random interesting stuff as well. Thanks, thanks for joining me here today, guys. Hey, Denise, whole ball as well. Chip Roy would be a great speaker, indeed. <laughs> it's great to see you, whole ball as well. Hello, Jane, much love, whole ball as well. Victoria, good to see you out there. Shackle Freedom still lurking and listening. RP4L, much, much love to all you guys out there. Thanks for being here today. All right, here is the um, <clears throat> the next the second half here. Two things. Number one, FBI office investigating Hunter Biden and judge to order a new election in, in um, <clears throat> Georgia. So those are the two uh, topics for the second half here. Just another day. All right. FBI office investigating Hunter Biden sent Twitter numerous censorship requests right before the 2020 election. What do we got here, Margo? When the Bureau's own former general counsel calls the FBI's conduct odd, it's clear who's discrediting the agency and it isn't, and it isn't conspiracy theories. It's the FBI. Nice. Emails released on Saturday as part of the latest dump of Twitter files reveal the, the week before the 2020 presidential election, the FBI field office investigating Hunter Biden sent <clears throat> multiple censorship requests to Twitter. Oh, this is the one we covered. Gotcha, gotcha. So this is the one that we covered yesterday. Oh, thank you, Toria. I may do a semi-shortened show tomorrow. Um going to be going out to dinner tomorrow night with uh, the family. So, but thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, a top attorney for the big tech found it odd. This is blockbuster detail from the weekend came mere days after the FBI issued a statement framing coverage of the Twitter files as misinformation being peddled by conspiracy theorists. <laughs> uh, we, we talked about James Baker and we reread all the files and stuff. So, um, I misread the I misread the the headline on this. I thought it said something different. All right, so yeah, I'm not gonna spend more time on that. Let's spend some time on Georgia. <laughs> Sorry, my throat is driving me nuts right now. <clears throat> All right, um, judge to order new election in Streven County after system irregularities. Let's, let's go to this instead. A highly anticipated hearing in Screven County lasted more than three hours last week and yielded a decision by the judge to order a new election after testimony revealed irregularities in the 2022 election. Really? You don't say. Surprise, surprise. Uh, November 18th, 2022, Screven County Commissioners Allison Willis and Mike Dixon, candidate for County Commissioner of District um, 1, Tyler Thompson, da, 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 filed a lawsuit against election Superintendent Bobby Brown, Debbie Brown, not Bobby Brown. That would, that would be, that probably wouldn't work. 
uh, wrong ballots had been issued at least two dozen voters. So this is that two two dozen voters, excuse me. This is that incorrect ballots ones that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> plaintiffs did not drop the lawsuit against each other, so forth, so on. Testimony. Uh, I'm not going to get into there, the details of all of this stuff. Voters in District 1 who did not get to vote in the District 1 race. So it's the usual. Uh, it has all the testimony in here and stuff. And then it has, is this the full hearing probably? No, just a four-minute uh, summary. So let me, let me see what this four-minute summary is here. And I already noticed that I'm going to have to boost this way up. Stupid freaking mic. I've been the Scribbling County Chief Registrar for 21 years, having been involved in the 2002 and 2012 redistricting process for the county. When redistricting came up with the 2022 process, I attended the commissioner's meeting that redistricting was discussed. Commissioner Warren recommended that the district lines remain the same as there were little population shifts for any one district. At this time, the board asked for a teleconference call with the legislative and congressional reapportionment office. Brian Knight with reapportionment joined them in a discussion on the if and whys of the importance to stick with the proposed map as drawn. After much discussion, the pros and cons after the conference call with Mr. Knight, the county attorney, Hubert Reeves, recommended that the board adopt the map as proposed by the reapportionment board, stating that if not, the county could be opened up to being sued. But not this way. That being said, the board voted to accept the new 2022 redistricting map. Returning to my office, I immediately began to seek guidance and assistance for this process. For this, I reached out to the reapportionment office. I spoke with Gina Wright, the director. She referred me to Sandra and Gabby. Was told that they needed a resolution from the county and board of education. After much consultation with them, I then reached out to Hunter Key with the Coastal Region Commission, director of their IT department for assistance with obtaining the redistricting maps for this process. He worked with the state reinforcement staff and produced the maps for us, which I went and picked up. During this time, as president of the Georgia Association of Registrars and Election Officials, referred to as Gabrielle, I learned at one of our conference planning meetings that an election official from Bartow County, Cheryl Miller, was an excellent resource for the redistricting process. I reached out to Cheryl Biller immediately for assistance as the new drone district lines had three districts touching within the city of Sylvania and other indicator lines which were very confusing for me to determine throughout the county. I had the assistance of Travis Forehand, County Road Superintendent, who assisted me in the 2012 with this process, which made it much easier. Cheryl graciously offered her services and worked with me on this for a couple of weeks doing extensive work with me and getting the information she needed. 
And then she called and said that she would not be able to finish as there were too many issues involved with the district lines that would need hands-on oversight. Also, at this critical time of redistricting, the election supervisor, Ella Rhodes, resigned, and very quickly thereafter, the election superintendent hired Hannah Deroso for this position. Hannah got on board, very smart and intelligent and enthusiastic. At this time, she said, and I, at this time, she and I had conversations about the difficulty of my hopes in getting the process completed on time. As a result, she graciously offered to do the process for me, saying, I know how and I can do this. I was very thankful and shared with her all of my contacts, which she immediately engaged with in her endeavor to successfully help complete the redistricting process. In the redistricting process that Hannah did, I would have thought that these voters in question would have been moved to their correct percent and their correct precinct as the maps would have shown them as residing in that district. I personally agree that unintentional mistakes have been made, but it is something that can be and will be corrected. All right, a long way of saying um, <clears throat> the redistricting process was a freaking mess. Sorry. Um, hey, Lady Cat, thanks for joining us here today. Going through this uh, Georgia case, um, it has all the different testimonies out there and stuff that, that talks about uh, the case and things like that. So I'm just kind of going through it and seeing what all they have in here. Um, Uh, let's see. It has. I mean, there's just a lot here. I was. I wasn't really planning on going through all of it. I was looking for. Here's the decision by the judge here. Yeah, uh, so no, <laughs> I'm done with legal stuff today. All right, um, so there's that's basically it. So in summary, <laughs> George orders a new election in Streven County after system irregularities. Oops. Yeah, this is that case in Georgia where they're going to be doing a new election. So um, I wasn't going to, you know, I was just going to kind of summarize it all, but there's a lot in that thread. So if you want a full story, a full summary of the thread, there were several that were sharing this out there earlier. Um, so I saw this kind of going around all over the place, so I snagged it real quick, but I don't want to spend that much time on enough legal shit for, for one day, if you ask me. So here is the summary of all of that stuff if you want to check this out. Hey, Observer. Great to see you out there. What's wrong? You got a, something in your panties today? or All right, so there's that. Now, this thread, Ms. Donna has two threads that you need to see about Georgia. Um, I've been keeping a close eye on all the work that they've been doing. Um, it has several things in the thread. It's not very long, but there's two different threads that, that I want to go through and summarize from Ms. Donna today that talk more about uh, the election integrity issues in Georgia as well. What the fuck is this garbage? Is there nothing worth watching anymore? Somebody on, somebody on Rumble 
decided to take the time to actually say, there's nothing worth watching. Like, what is this? White Hat, thank you for the can. Sloan TV, thank you for the can. I appreciate it. Trump ain't going to be speaker. Jeez. Uh, can we can we put somebody in speaker that actually has a clue how Congress works? That would be great. I would like somebody in the Speaker of the House who actually has the smallest clue about the rules and things that happen in Congress, not President Trump. It'd be like putting me in there and saying, hey, um, we're going to do that. Uh, you can't, sir. Uh, we're going to do this. Uh, you can't, sir. We're going to do that. Uh, you can't, sir. It is the dumbest, it is not only the dumbest idea I have ever heard, it is not going to happen. So don't even bother talking about Trump for speaker. Anyway, Musa, away from that. Trying to understand something Kurt Schlitter and Amanda Milius focus on the GOP failures in Nevada in 2020 because they were there. All right, this is thread one. Is this thread one and then thread two? Yeah. All right, so here's the thread. First one's only seven minutes. Let me get through this here real quick. They ignore what happened in Georgia after the election. Patrick J. J. Witt outlined the failures there in multiple interviews. And the Georgia case was considered. All right, here we go. The best case in the nation in 2020, M.Z. Hemingway documented that in her book, Rigged. Professor M.J. Cleveland has documented how the case was solid and how Gabriel Sterling said NBD. And Trump is being prosecuted in Georgia for his phone call in Georgia I would like to see you interview and promote Patrick J. Witt and Cleta Mitchell as you fight against GOP chairwoman. A better case can be made in Georgia. Why are you not amplifying that case? The January 6th committee went after Cleta for a reason. Fannie Willis went after Trump for a reason. Have you ever made a statement about the Georgia case? Ask Scott what his thoughts are. Ask Barnes, I know you interviewed Patrick J. Witt multiple times. Jenna Ellis, I know you know about the problems in Georgia as well. I saw your interviews. Why are we focusing on Nevada and Arizona and not Georgia? Hmm. Uh, we know what happened in 2020. I would like to know where you stand today. Asked and answered, smartass. Uh, Senate holds a hearing on examining irregularities in 2020. What is this? However, lax enforcement, denying effective bipartisan observation of the complete election process, and fail failure to be fully transparent or conduct reasonable audits has led to heightened suspicion. The most difficult allegations to assess involve vulnerabilities in voting machines and the software used. In order to effectively determine the extent to which voting machines were subject to nefarious intrusion or other vulnerabilities, Computer science experts must be given the opportunity to examine, the, examine these allegations. This is a complex issue that has been under congressional scrutiny for years. Since 2018, I'm aware of three oversight letters requesting information from the, the main suppliers of voting machines. This oversight is focused on election systems and software LLC, Dominion Voting Systems, Inc., and Hart InterCivic, Inc. Today, we have a witness from the election Assistance Commission, which certifies voting machines to describe what has been done and what more can be done to address any vulnerabilities. On March 7, 2018, it was reported that Senators Klobuchar and Shaheen asked, quote, 
major vendors of U.S. voting equipment whether they had allowed Russian entities to scrutinize their software, saying the practice could allow Moscow to hack into American election infrastructure. Then last year, on March 26, 2019, Senators Klobuchar, Warner, Reid, and Ranking Member Peters wrote, quote, the integrity, of our elections, the integrity of our elections remain under serious threat. Our nation's intelligence agencies continue to raise the alarm that foreign adversaries are actively trying to undermine our system of democracy and will target the 2020 elections as they did in 2026. In 2026. Yeah. <clears throat> no one from Georgia was there. Why? Huh. That's an interesting question, Ms. Donna. Part two. Don't forget that Brian Kemp, Georgia, divorced himself from the Georgia Republicans in his race, which never made sense. And on a local level, I can tell you that his absence made a difference. I live in Cobb. Kemp didn't want to have anything to do with Cobb GOP. Hmm. Georgia is a mirror image uh, as Arizona. Feels like people are writing it off because a rhino won the governor's race. But screw the Trumpers. Yep, exactly. I'm going to spill some tea here. Let's go back to 2020. Jason Shepard signed on to the Sidney Powell lawsuit. At the time, we had high trust with Sidney, and we know now that the case was garbage. He didn't sign on to the Trump case. Why? That case was considered the best. In the nation, it was never given hearing. Thus, the famous phone call that Fannie Willis is investigating David Schaefer put his name on the line. Fast forward to 2021 convention. Jason Shepard challenged David Schaefer for the chair of the v Georgia GOP. Full disclosure, I voted, in, I voted neither in that election. The majority of the Cobb GOP did not vote for Jason either, and he has seemed to hold a grudge since then. He runs to the press every single opportunity to badmouth current leadership, which is a shame. Not only did he encourage his followers to not participate in the Cobb GOP, he encouraged them to seek other options, especially after the Cobb GOP censured Governor Kemp in the fall of 2021. Why was he censured? Because he didn't fulfill his promise on immigration. Since that censure, the, the Georgia GOPE, including Jason and Governor Kemp, refused to work with our county. Governor Kemp even went as far as to say he wouldn't work with the Georgia GOP in his re-election bid. No coordination and no working together. What's the cost of that decision, asks Ms. Donna. We were told that the new redistricting would ensure that Cobb would have majority GOP representation at the state level. That didn't happen. Kemp had no coattails in Cobb. When the, when the former Cobb GOP chair runs to the press and badmouth the current GOP chair, it has an effect. When the governor refuses to coordinate appearances with local GOP, it has a shaping effect. When the governor refuses to campaign with Herschel and Cobb, it has an effect. For goodness sake, the night before the November election, they had rallies less than a mile apart and less than an hour apart and didn't even appear on stage together. That sends a message. I keep going back to the November numbers for Kemp, 100,000 less than what turned, out, what turned out in the runoff in 2021. 
That's the difference for Herschel. Mitch tasked Kemp to turn out voters for Herschel in the runoff because of his data op. Hmm. Spilling tea here, 500,000 new voters have registered since 2018. Kemp won by less than 20,000 over 2018. That's a big differential. A lot of people stayed home. Indeed, they did. They didn't think he would win. Multiple conversations before, during, and after confirmed this. And I was given data for my precincts Saturday before the election to reach out to voters that had not voted early. Everyone I reached out to had already voted early. Compare that to the Dems data. They know who to target in real time that had not voted. Indeed, that real time thing is a big part of this stuff, right? Them getting real time information about what the voters, who, who needs, who they need to turn out. That's their get out the vote method. I was told that we had lag time in our data. That is not acceptable. Indeed, this is very important. This is a very important issue for, for the GOP going forward. If they keep using old data to find, uh, to get out the vote of voters, they're not, they're not going to change. Nothing's ever going to change. They know who to target in real time, who vote, who had not voted. Why do I amplify this, says Ms. Donna? There's a uniparty at play. Indeed, there is. We know it is national, but we also know it is statewide as well. Kemp is not a hero. They also thought they had a chance against Stanford Bishop. The largest lag between 2018 and 2022 was in his district. Psst. Guess who came in Georgia, came to Georgia in 2018 to get out the vote the weekend before the election? Also in the mountains before the 2021 vote. They all wanted him to stay away in 2022. Circle back to the original tweet and the thread. Kemp didn't win Cobb County. We increased his margin, but we had, but he had zero coattails. He chose not to campaign with solid challengers and instead went for the status quo. So many other incidental references to document. And she says she will if the GOPE keeps pushing. She's going to have to probably. I say all of this to say David Schaefer, Ginger Howard, Jason Thompson, please keep these facts in mind as you make your decision to vote for a new GOP chairwoman. Good stuff from Ms. Donna. A very respected voice in the um, in the grassroots community, especially in Georgia. And um, it, she makes a, a, a very important point. No one's talking about Georgia. You know, there th this this other case that that is uh, Screaming County is just it's like election commissioner. I mean, it's county commissioners or so. Yeah, it's county commissioners. So while it is a big precedent for Georgia and, and you know, <clears throat> proof that there was big time problems in, in Georgia, there's also a lot of other happening uh, on the election stuff with lawsuits and them going after President Trump and the rest. The lawfare continues. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. <clears throat> I don't, um, I'm, I'm like probably like a lot of you. I don't exactly, exactly expect... Uh, you know, anything new from Georgia, but we'll see. <clears throat> All right. Uh, let's see. Lara Logan, what do you got? Second opium war. CCP's assault on America with deadly fentanyl. 
Daily Mail, uh, America's fentanyl crisis uncovered drug cases. The drug causes a death every seven minutes. Wow. So I don't know. I'll keep an eye on Georgia. I'm, I still think there might be more coming from it. I don't know. I don't know. You know how this the the lawfare stuff takes. It takes freaking forever, man. So who knows, right? All right. Uh, let me keep it moving here. Let's see. America's fentanyl scourge uncovered, mailed from China, mixed in Mexico, the strongest opioid yet exploded in the pandemic and now kills a person every seven minutes. But officials are powerless to stop it. Drug overdoses now kill more Americans than guns and cars combined. 107,000 deaths in the January, uh, two thirds of them to fentanyl. Fentanyl packs, um, down small and easy to mail and smuggle across borders. Mexico's Sonola cartel and Jalisco cartel bring it into the United States. Many users have no clue they're taking fentanyl, which is often mixed. Um, and a fentanyl vaccine, uh, a fentanyl vaccine offers hope and could save thousands of lives each year. And that's the thing. It is mixed with other pills from the streets and people are getting these pills from the streets and they don't know what is even in, in them. And ruining their lives and the lives of everyone around them. Americans may remember 2022 for events like Hurricane Ian, Ovalde's mass shooting and the Supreme Court's abortion ruling, but beneath the headlines, poorly understood drug stealthily spread its dark shadow across the country. Fentanyl, powerful synthetic opioid, emerges as a silent killer, driving 44% rise in overdose deaths, which reached 107,000 in 12 months to January 2022, more than gun and motor vehicle deaths combined. International fentanyl production and smuggling operation, precursor chemicals and fentanyl powder shipped from China and India via mail services to the United States and Mexico. Mexico, precursors used to manufacture fentanyls and powders are cut and diluted for further smuggling or pressed into counterfeit pills. Fentanyl-laced pills and powder are smuggled into the United States and distributed and sold and destroy lives all around the world, all around the country. It is a direct attack on the United States of America, and nobody seems to care. Uh, makeshift drug lab, drug lab in northwest Mexico, where, where officers discovered precursor chemical, chemicals, fentanyl face, weapons, and drug-making gear from November 2021. Uh, fentanyl is 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine. By one estimate, the year's supply of pure fentanyl powder for America's market would fit in the beds of two pickup trucks. So many lives being destroyed by people taking pills off the street that they don't know what's in them. They think they're taking, you know, an antidepressant or a, or a something. And they have no idea that they are becoming a, um, addicted to fentanyl. And in the meantime, they stroll, destroy all the lives of people around them and the people who love them and the rest. And they don't seem to care. That's the worst part about, about it is you get that, um, you know, that addict uh, attitude where they just don't care anymore. Sad to watch. 
Very, very, very sad to watch. All right. Um, let's see what else I got here. How much time we got left? We're hanging in there today. It is a semi-slow news day, so I get it. I appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with today. Paul Pelosi attacks suspect David uh, DePepe, pleads not guilty. Netanyahu vows, vows West Bank settlement expansion as a high priority and more peace in the Middle East coming, by the way. Uh, Janet Yellen's not so good name. No one cares about Janet Yellen. Looks like the big news is developing in Arizona. Carrie Lake's team. The bad news is if if it's as big as we're being led to believe, we probably can't tell you guys a thing about it. Huh. We need to get this verified ASAP, says Benzi. This could be exactly what we need to break this entire thing apart and vindicate the so-called election desires. We believe it is legit. Hmm. Significant miscounts. Kitty Hobbs hiding the real numbers from the public. So much for their perfect election. The house of cards that is Arizona elections continues to crumble. And we intend to keep chipping away. This is uh, Charlie Kirk breaking. An internal source has shared that a rural Arizona county has found a significant miscount netting Abraham Hamaday a few hundred new votes. Sources suspect Katie Hobbs is not quickly releasing this revelation to provide little cover or little news uh, for, for it, you know, cover for it. And then Carrie Lake War Room um, just true not too long ago. The bad news is if it's, if it's as big as we're being led to believe, we probably can't tell you guys a single thing about it. Interesting. So it looks like more to come in Arizona. That from Captain Keschel just now. Thank you for that, Captain Keschel. Interesting. So that's about all we see out there as far as breaking now. <clears throat> All right, Musk talking about uh, corporate journalism. Um, we got that going here. What else did I have for today? Um, Supreme Court. Oh, the Supreme Court uh, to take up the Trump Act, Florida media censorship one, social media censorship. That's in the in the ticket here for the second half or the last half. Uh, I got the COVID crap covered. I ain't talking anymore about that. Uh, how Southwest holiday operations went south, if you want to hear more about that. Texas refiners could take two weeks to fully restore operations after a storm. So that's kind of the stuff I got for the for the last half hour today. Thanks for being here today, guys. Let's start with Musk. Uh, let's see here. Why would anyone trust corporate journalism? Hmm. Responding to a writer's Substack post regarding the extent to which the corporate media has become the propaganda arm of the state, Musk wrote on Twitter, why is corporate journalism rushing to defend the state instead of the people? It's a good question. Um, elsewhere, following a CNBC commentator's claim that Musk's reputation with Twitter is impacting his reputation when it comes to all of his companies, Musk himself responded, the legacy media should be worried about its reputation. We only have just begun. Business tycoon at one point indicated his willingness to consider Twitter's purchase of Substack, <laughs> a popular online writing platform, in order to bring about massive competition for obsolete legacy corporate media. I'm open to the idea, he said. <laughs> Elon Musk just going to buy the world and free us from censorship. That works for me. 
So you had that going on out there today as well, yesterday and the day before, um, in case you missed it. <laughs> uh, track phone. I may be able to afford monthly connectivity from the government. No, thank you. Not interested in government kickbacks for my fucking phone. Hey, yay, stop contacting me. Supreme Court to take up Trump Act Florida social media censorship appeal this week. That's going to be a big case going into next week as well. Supreme Court is scheduled next week to look at the case from Florida in which uh, the state and 16 other states and former President Donald Trump are urging the court to consider whether states have the power to regulate how social media companies moderate content on their platforms. The case is in the public eye because it pits the right of the individual Americans to freely express themselves online against the right of social media company against the right of social media platforms to make editorial decisions about the content they host. Lawyers say both rights are protected by the First Amendment and the U.S. Constitution, so the Supreme Court needs to weigh in to resolve the conflict. Interesting. Republicans and conservatives have complained for years about censorship on the platforms. They were outraged when platforms acted in concert to ban Trump in January 2021 and the rest. Hunter Biden's laptop and CCPs and all. Yes, yes, yes. Many states are now looking at legislation which would re- regulate social media platforms to protect users' free speech. I'll wait for Illinois, but maybe you can get it on a federal level. Uh, Florida is appealing a ruling by the U.S. Uh, Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit Court that blocked portions of the Florida Senate bill which require policy transparency to protect its user access to platforms. Ron DeSantis signed a law on May 24th, 2021, stating it makes sure real Floridians across the Sunshine State are guaranteed protection against Silicon Valley elites. Many in our state have experienced censorship and other tyrannical behavior firsthand in Cuba and Venezuela. If big tech censors uh, enforce rules inconsistently to discriminate in favor of the uh, dominant Silicon Valley ideology, they will now be held accountable. Under the law, the platforms are not allowed to ban political candidates and must make public um, and, and must make public and consistently apply their moderation rules. Deplatform candidates can lead to fines of up to $250,000 a day. The Atlanta-based 11th Circuit Court uh, struck down part of the statute, finding that with minor exceptions, the government can't tell a private person or entity what to say or how to say it. Even the biggest platforms are private sectors whose rights uh, the First Amendment protects, indeed. Uh, So then it goes into the rest of the stuff. Trump filed a brief in October urging the court to grant oral argument to the Supreme Court in Moody versus Net, uh, Net Choice LLC. Texas law imposes limitations on the ability of platforms to moderate speech and mandates that companies provide disclosure to the public. Interesting. Ohio, Arizona, Missouri, Texas, and 12 other states also um, argued in brief. Uh, Let's see. Anonymity and pseudonymity enabled by the internet coupled with virtually cost-free ability to broadcast all manners of content has given rise to spam trolling and heckler's vetoes, the brief states. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't like the way they said that. Banned. That's the world we live in. 
Any other questions about Trump as speaker? That ain't going to happen. <laughs> so ridiculous, man. Uh, I don't understand why people spend time on it. Anyways, Supreme Court to uh, take up Trump back social media. Got that. Okay. Next. Southwest. I don't fucking care, honestly. But um, I know my sister does. <laughs> Videos of Bannon's luggage and the rest. Let's see here. Why did it happen? Why did Southwest account for more than 90% of the flight cancellations on Wednesday? CEO Bob Jordan explained some of the reasons in a failure in a video statement. He pointed towards the weather as one of the biggest factors that brought about the cancellation. Cities with large numbers of scheduled flights simultaneously froze as record bitter cold brought challenges for all airlines. Some employees have also spoken out, attributing the failures to more than just bad weather. Captain Casey Murray, the president of Southwest Airlines Pilot Association, said, These issues are systematically ingrained in the whole airline. We have been having these issues for the past 20 months, he told CNN. We've seen these sorts of meltdowns occur on a much regular basis, and it really has to do with outdated processes and outdated IT. The tools we use to recover from disruption serves us well 99% of the time, he said. But clearly we need to double down on our existing plans. Yeah, quite obviously. Um, there was also a, a giant uh, call-off. I guess a bunch of people didn't show up for work, so there was labor shortages and stuff. Um so, yeah. Welcome to America. Excuses, excuses. Uh, you can go to the U.S. DOT website if you got trapped in the, um, in the travel and if you lost out on tickets or money, you can go to the U.S. DOT website, usdot.gov, I think it is, and, uh, or just search U.S. DOT, and you can file a claim and get uh, your money back. So there's that out there if you're interested. Anyone who got stuck in the travel plans or the travel uh, disaster. Texas refineries back in the news again. You think we could figure this stuff out? Every winter, Texas freezes, and every winter, there's a shortage of, of uh, fuel bec- or, or uh, you know, refined fuel. We going to do anything to figure this out? Or are we just going to keep let this keep happening? No. Most refineries on the U.S. Gulf Coast have, have begun procedures to restart operations that were disrupted by the massive winter storm late last week. But a refer, full return to normal output of motor fuels could take up to two weeks for some facilities. So same thing again, frozen temperatures, affected refinery equipment that causes issues at the steam and cogeneration units at some refineries, they say. Pemex Deer Park Refinery and Motiva Enterprises Port Arthur the biggest refinery in the United States could see their restart stretched out for the first week or second week of January. <laughs> Same old shit, dude. You know? Another winter storm and now another refinery problem. So there's that. Um, we'll see what happens to gas and premium gas specifically. Uh, what else did I have for you guys today? Billionaire developer Li Zhang arrested in London for bribery in a San Francisco facing extradition. Huh. I forgot that I was going to do a quick dig on this guy. Let me see here real quick. Oops. 
let's see. Is there is there anything out there with this guy? Let's see. Who is this? <laughs> no, I don't see anything right off the bat. I wanted to see if there was any, uh, any if I just searched uh, for this name and Nancy Pelosi, if anything would come up. Let's try Swallow Out or other people. Anyways, Chinese billionaire and the co-founder and CEO of Guangzhou RNF Properties was arrested in London on November 30th under a provisional warrant issued by the United States Attorney's Office of the Northern District of California. Zhang was accused of participating in a scheme to bribe public officials between 2015 and 2020. He's 69, he's worth 2.3 billion according to Forbes. He was granted bail under 15 million pounds ahead of the legal battle against extradition to the United States. He did not show up for a December 12th hearing. Of course he didn't. As part of his bail, he'll have to be confined to his apartment for 24 hours a day. <laughs> Guangzhou RNF Properties issued an, an announcement in its official WeChat channel stating Li Zhang was arrested, accused of bribery for hosting a banquet in China and providing hotel accommodations for the former San Francisco Public Works Director. <laughs> huh. This is the first time RNF Properties responded on an alleged bribery accusation against Zhang. The announcement confirms that the person called Developer One in the corruption case of Mohammed Nauru, the former San Francisco Public Works Director, is Zhang. Interesting. Hmm. I was going to try to spend some more time on this earlier, but no, <clears throat> I didn't. I ran out of time. On uh, December 2021, Nuru pleaded guilty to the charge of honest services wire fraud. We caught, we covered that last year when it dropped, including a string of briberies and corruption during his years in office and was sentenced to seven years um, in August of 2022. According to press release from the Northern District of California, Nuru admitted to in the plea agreement that he received free travel gifts and benefits for working with Walter Wong to use Nuru's official position to benefit a billionaire developer from China. <clears throat> and then it kind of gets into the details of the case and stuff. Um, I'm helping him with a project here in San Francisco. So whenever he comes, I'm going to see him. Okay. So again, this, for me, this is like business as usual. And that's been happening all around the country for decades why did this guy get popped you know what i'm saying too stupid or something or didn't play the game or a republican probably <laughs> that's one of the three usually all right to wrap it up today eight minutes a review from project veritas why the fuck not man there's nothing else going on in the world today eight minutes from project veritas to wrap it up thanks for being here today guys appreciate all the gold pills did i miss any i missed one from sean joe sloan tv White Hat, Pauly, PDX Patriot, Abolitionist. Thanks, guys. Who cares? And the rest of you guys, thanks for the gold pills today. I appreciate you all. Watch what happens. Mark my words, Brunson's garbage, and Trump's not going to be speaker. There's my predictions for 2023. You're lucky that you met me organically. Holy crap. Sorry. I hope that didn't blow anyone's ears out. Jeez. Everything about you. Don't hire Catholics. Trust me, I want to like burn down the entire system of broadcasting. Better than not doing it. What do you mean?
Yeah, he's a capitalist. If we weren't really operating the capitalist more, we were very socialist. Like, we're all like communists. With some leaked audio, the Project Veritas got its hands on from a Twitter all hands on deck meeting. We have built tools, processes for people to be able to feel safe and control their experiences. Fully represented within that clip is the domineering mindset of we control the ability in order to have make people feel safe. Like they're trying to go on dates with them like this and record them and then go sell it to the New York Times and say this is what the Twitter employee said. You're lucky that you met me organically because I would be questioning everything about you. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Special. Special needs. You're literally special needs. Oh, there he is. There go. Oh, there he is. Why are you running? Why are you running away from us? We're jogging here with a Twitter executive on the streets of New York City. You gotta go out to the people it's not directly affecting. Yeah, if you're gonna throw a brick. Yeah. If you're gonna raise on the court, it's worse. It's like a brain change of what you said. So you find out someone is Catholic than that. Hopefully, the more progressive teachers are actually more savvy about delivering a democratic message without really ever mentioning politics. You're caught in a hidden camera video. Saying that you uh, don't hire Catholics. Is it ethical to discriminate against people due to their religion? You no longer get the benefit of the doubt. You now have to prove to us that you're doing right by our kids. We are here because we've never been so concerned about our children and their future. What came to light last night in a video by Project Veritas was shocking. We need an independent, top to bottom, evaluation of everything that has gone on in Greenwich Public Schools. Most of us saw for the first time a video that appears to contain troubling discriminatory statements that appear to have been made by a Greenwich Public School official. As Attorney General, I'm invoking my civil rights enforcement authority to investigate any potentially illegal discrimination or other actionable misconduct related to that video. I am an animal. Eventually you want to like remove Christianity from her uh, religion from progressive thought because yeah. like religion is hierarchical. Hey, if your parents don't love and accept you for who you are this Christmas, I'm your parents now. I'm proud of you. Drink some water. I love you. Bye. Uh, who is this? This is James O'Keefe with Project Veritas. Ah. Okay. Uh, no comment. And you're on tape and you're saying, I don't hide how I feel, but I can't pretend I'm not promoting an agenda. You're recorded making all these statements. What agenda are you promoting? I have no idea what this is. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an undercover investigation by Project Veritas. Um, like for kindergarten for Pride Month, we got every, in first grade, like every kid had like a mirror and we talked about like, there's like a read aloud about a boy that said he wanted to be a mermaid and it's like a way to start like, was like, you should be whoever you feel like you should be. They sit down and talk to me. I say, 
purposefully sit here somewhere in a class that is completely directly sponsored <coughs> spread the link right over and well, the Biden administration has just been caught spying on journalists in an effort to intimidate them out of reporting. The DOJ was seeking sensitive information of journalists employed by Project Veritas, which had dared to report on Ashley Biden's diary. It's like January 6th stuff that is like so over at this point. It's so over. The left's overreaction, the left's reaction to it in some places was so over the top. It was like me and two other colleagues who were there who were outside. And we were just having fun. Dude, come on. Like, you were not in any game. But you all those colleagues who were in the building. But you knew that you were being spoken to. And, and yeah, do I, will I stand by those comments? Absolutely. You did talk about sources as a journalist. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure meeting you, too. I think, I think we know yeah. that there's no comment here. Yeah. I'm going to duck in here. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Oh, you were you gonna, why are you ducking in? Were you going to the pharmacy? Hey, Mark. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas. How are you doing today? Why is um, uh, Dean Baquet obsessed with Project Veritas? Documents show how far deceptive reporting practices could go before running afoul of federal laws. Another way of saying that is we check with lawyers to make sure everything we did was legal. Do you, do you look at yourself in the mirror while you shine your posters? <laughs> Project Veritas appears to be a victim of political undertakings, which is where this, this agency is going. Meet Anwar Halak Wahidi, who is classified as a Category 15 threat by the Department of Homeland Security for having used explosives or arms. I am so proud, so, so proud of what we were capable of doing and what we did in Operation Allies Welcome. Thousands of our Afghan allies paroled into the United States swiftly received employment authorization. They toned down the impact of the user fees on their operations because they know they're dependent on the drug companies and the vaccine companies and these other companies for their agency to operate. Because the work was too dangerous and could violate the gain-of-function moratorium despite EcoHealth's position that it would not. According to the documents, the NIAID, under the direction of Dr. Fauci, did not reject the proposal. It went ahead with the research of Wuhan and several sites across the U.S. A week after Microsoft's brave support of the First Amendment, Apple and Google have come forward to disclose that between November 24, 2020 and March 15, 2021, the Department of Justice issued nine secret subpoenas and warrants to them. In fact... I'm sorry, so what is this regarding? Why would we trust the FBI and the Department of Justice to define who is and who is not a journalist? And, and credit to Microsoft, because Microsoft opposed the gag, and when they drafted that opposition, the Department of Justice backed down. The tax dollars of people who are listening are paying to put children in the hands of criminals. And I said, look, I said, I need to make you aware. And they said, Tara, we don't get sued by traffickers. Pero ella, ¿cuántos hombres ella te obligó a estar con cuántos hombres? Bueno, con muchos. 
they've done great work this year. And, um, you know, a lot of us have tried to highlight their work as well because, um, you know, they're the stories that got to get out there, man. They're the stories that got to get out there, and the only way they're going to get out is through We Are The News Now Media. <clears throat> so I appreciate all you guys for your support, thoughts, and prayers for all this time. Uh, tomorrow, birthday show. Yeah. I don't know. I'll probably try to come hang out with you guys for at least an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Um, but that is tomorrow. And then I'll be going out to dinner with the family tomorrow night. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, but I'll definitely come hang out with you guys for a little bit tomorrow. Maybe I'll open up the phone lines or whatever. Just kind of do a hangout session here tomorrow for uh, for a birthday show. How's that sound? Just uh, hang out and play some music or whatever, something like that. So that's probably what we'll do. Um, anything new breaking out there? Let me double check here. Fentanyl's getting uh, plenty of, of uh, play finally today. Cat uh, has the a backstory here on this. Let's see. About a week ago, Abe Hamaday tweeted that Katie Hobbs had taken the recount numbers to her office for reconciliation rather than giving them to the counties as required by Arizona law. Katie Hobbs could be criminally liable in this. That would be interesting if we get an arrest there. Thank you guys. Fallen. Th- appreciate you, brother. 6017 gold pills today. Thank you guys for that. I appreciate you all. Do me a favor. Keep the thoughts, loves, and prayers coming for the family. I appreciate you all. And we'll see you guys over here tomorrow for another edition of Uncensored. We'll do an Uncensored birthday party tomorrow. How's that sound? I don't know. It feels kind of freaking weird having a... Let's just hang out tomorrow. Let's not all focus on birthday crap. No No one wants to talk about birthdays. And with that, I want to say much love and God bless you all, man. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow for another edition of Uncensored Abe. God bless you. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference.